Psalm 17, verses 1 through 15, which can be found on page 437 in your pew Bibles, or 851 in the large print. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. We thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself to us through all creation. We thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. Lord, we ask that you would give us ears that can hear and eyes that can see. We pray this morning that as we hear your word read and proclaimed, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to our lives, or that you would change us from the inside out into the people that you created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Psalm 17, verses 1 through 15, a prayer of David. Hear me, Lord, my plea is just. Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. Though people tried to bribe me, I have kept myself from the ways of the violent. Though what your lips have commanded, or through what your lips have commanded. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love, you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who are out to destroy me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. They close up their callous hearts and their mouths speak with arrogance. They have tracked me down. They now surround me with eyes alert to throw me to the ground. They are like a lion hungry for prey, like a fierce lion crouching in cover. Rise up, Lord. Confront them. Bring them down. With your sword, rescue me from the wicked. By your hand, save me from such people, Lord, from those of this world whose reward is in this life. May what you have stored up for the wicked fill their bellies. May their children gorge themselves on it, and may there be leftovers for their little ones. As for me, I will be vindicated and will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Turning to our New Testament lesson, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we've been working our way over the last several weeks through the Lord's Prayer. And this morning, we get to a um, pretty timely line in the prayer on this particular day as we are looking at the line, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And there might be other days where I would have to go into a a bit of uh, discussion to try to illustrate that there is evil in the world. I don't think I need to do that today. I think on a day like today, we are all well aware of the evil in this world. And so we will forego that. But we also want to read this in its proper context. This is where Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And he gets to what it is that we should be doing genuinely, giving genuinely, fasting genuinely, and praying genuinely. And so when he talks about prayer, this prayer is a part of that. And so he says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, if you were paying close attention as I read that, and you listened to the line Uh, as I read it from Matthew, you might have noticed it was a little bit different than what we pray every week. Anybody catch that? You did. Good. It says at the end, uh, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, why is it that we're praying evil instead of the evil one? Should we change that? Should we pray differently? No. This is just one of those translation issues from going from the Greek into English, and it was uh, translated as evil back when we sort of had the the Lord's Prayer that everybody's saying together, and we still say it that way. Although, looking at better manuscripts, I said, actually, it probably said the evil one. So you'll notice it'll have a footnote in there in your Bible when it says the evil one. It could be either one. Does it matter? Do we need to make a big deal out of it? No, probably not. The same reason that if somebody says, you know, if you're praying to God and you say, Lord, you know, protect me from the terrorism. Wait, did, I'm sorry, did you say from terrorism or from terrorists? Yes, yes, all of that. <laughs> you know, it's not that uh, if you're praying for protection against the evil one, that you're not also praying against protection from evil or vice versa. It's all, all together combined in the same. So uh, don't let that throw you when you hit this part say, why does it say that? That's all it is. But this is an important prayer, a prayer to be delivered from evil. In fact, I think it's probably 
the first prayer prayed by most non-Christians and Christians alike. Although instead of being deliver us from evil, it's usually deliver me from evil, right? Because what's happening is we recognize the evil that is around us. Something is out there that is tearing either our bodies apart or our families apart or our country apart or our world apart. And we cry out to God and we say, please, get us out of this mess. Because we feel it. We feel the evil that is out there and that is out to destroy God's good creation in a variety of forms and in so many different ways. And so even a non-Christian may cry out to a God they may or may not even believe in to get them out of that sort of a mess. We see prayers like this with, uh, with David even when he's talking about God in Psalm 40. He says, you're the one who lifts my feet out of the mud and the mire and you put me on a rock, on a firm place to stand. And we say, that, yeah, that's what I want. If you were out in the rain yesterday, slipping around in all the mud and the muck, so yeah, I'll take a firm place to stand. Thank you very much. This is what God does, and he says, this is how we are to pray. Deliver us from evil. But you know, it's not just the first prayer of the non-Christian. It's also the first prayer of the Christian. The reason I say that is because the evil is not just out there. But as famously has been said, the line, the dividing line between good and evil does not run between nations and cultures and civilizations and all that, but right through the center of every human heart. And so, for the Christian, the first prayer we have is deliver me from evil. What else is what we call the sinner's prayer, the prayer of conversion, the prayer where we are turning our lives over to Jesus, but is saying, on my own, I'm going to go the wrong direction, and I continue to go the wrong direction, because there is an evil in me that I keep on listening to, that I keep on following. I don't want to do that anymore. And so we say, deliver me, not just from the evil out there, which is out there, but even deliver me from the evil within. And this, by the way, is what gets us into that first part of the, of the verse, and lead us not into temptation. The reason why we want to pray not to be led into temptation is because we know how likely we are to fall. This has been the story from the very beginning, right? We have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they are tempted with a piece of fruit, and that's it. They're like, we will trade everything for this one piece of fruit. And we're their kids. And there's a lot of family resemblance. And it doesn't take a lot. And we're willing to throw it all away. Um... There's a difference, though, between um, the temptations that are around us and the temptations we go in for. Um, this does not say, don't lead us anywhere near temptation at all. For that, we have to be taken out of the world entirely. You think about two people are in a competition. One wins, one loses. Suddenly, one is tempted with pride and the other with jealousy, just like that. We can't escape it. It's all around us. 
So then what does this mean? Don't lead us into temptation. I'll give you an illustration that may be helpful for you. It's not don't leave us, lead us past temptation, don't lead us in. Say, for example, you are on a diet. We'll t- take this down a little notch from all the evil talk we've had so far. Say you're on a diet and you need to really stay away, you know, from donuts, and yet you really like donuts, and there's a donut shop right on the corner, and you decide you're going to go for a walk. You're going to be healthy. <laughs> and so you go walk right past the donut shop. All right. It's one thing to walk past the donut shop. It's another thing to go in the donut shop. I'm just going to have a smell, that's all. It's another to place an order. I'm not going to eat it. I just want to carry the smell with me so I can enjoy it, even though I'm not, you know where this is going. I mean, from the moment you decide you're taking that street, and you go on into the shop, it's over. And you know that. Which is why anybody saying, you know, you want to stay away from, uh, from donuts, they don't just say, somebody's counseling somebody on a dieting program, they don't just say, don't eat the donuts. They say, stay away from them. This is where uh, Paul tells people, flee from sexual immorality. Stay away from it. Don't go that way. Wisdom in the book of Proverbs, don't go down the street of the woman who's calling to you. Stay away. And this is what Jesus says to pray. And the reason we're praying this, by the way, is because we know how weak we are. This is not something that we uh, pray because we say that we're, we could handle it. We just would rather not deal with that. We know we probably won't. We know our own weaknesses enough to know that just like Adam and Eve, we are so prone <laughs> to wander, as the hymn says. Prone to wander. Prone to fall at every temptation. And so we say, lead us. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us through it. Lead us past it. Lead us away from it. Don't let us fall into that. Now, here's the other thing, though. Did you know that Jesus teaches this, teaches us to pray this in Matthew chapter 6? You know what happens in Matthew chapter 4? Two chapters earlier? Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What was that? Did you know that when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, who was it that led him there? But the Spirit of God led him into temptation. And two chapters later, Jesus says, pray that he doesn't do the same for you. What's going on here? Jesus, sometimes people think, by the way, that Jesus has no idea what real temptation is like. I promise you he knows it far better than you do. Because if you've ever resisted temptation, you know it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger until finally it goes away. Kind of like an itching a mosquito bite. If you think, I'll just ignore it. It doesn't go away initially. (laughs) It just gets stronger and stronger. And so the only one who knows really how bad a mosquito bite can itch is the one who's resisted all the way until it goes away. The one who knows the full force of temptation 
is the one who's resisted all the way. We don't. We usually don't. We will go so far and say, oh, that's all I can handle. Sometimes not very far at all. And this is why, though Jesus is able to be led into it and passing the test that Adam and Eve couldn't, he says to us, pray that you don't get led into temptation. Because we know that we fall. Here's the good news. If this is our situation, if we want to pray like David did in Psalm 17, get rid of all the evil, we have a problem when the evil's inside us. And the question that we have, that may be the answer. (laughs) The question from the beginning has always been, if we are evil and God has to get rid of all the evil, how can he do that without getting rid of us? And the answer then, of course, is Jesus, who goes to the cross, who takes it on himself, the one who stood up to temptation and got it right, who passed the test, who didn't fall. And yet he dies for sin, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. 1 Peter 3.18. This is one of the reasons why we celebrate communion. One of the reasons why we do it as often as we do is to remember our weakness, but his strength. Our, the evil that is within us, and yet his love that overcomes. And as we look forward to the day when all evil within us and without us is taken care of forever. And we get to live with God in perfection. Not because we are good people. Because we serve a good and loving and powerful God who has made us good. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.